What's up, guys? Welcome back to episode 12 of the Four Verts Podcast. A little question to start off. What's the hottest topic of 2020? Yeah, you're right. COVID-19. And unfortunately, our buddy Davini has it. So in this episode, he doesn't talk too much, but he's still there. And, you know, don't worry. He's doing better. He's feeling good. Everything's okay. But again, thank you for tuning in. The format's the same. The content's the same. So, you know, I hope you enjoy. Let's get it. we can uh we can go ahead and hop into the recaps we'll go into Clemson versus Pitt first so Sam starts off all right obviously happy that we played finally happy that we won I didn't expect us to beat Pitt the way we did frankly I was actually really surprised by the final score but you know nonetheless um on offense getting 16 back just makes our offense uh, so much better. I mean, even, you know, DJ played extremely well the first uh, first two starts of his career, but just the comfort making the reads, pre-snap, post-snap, RPO stuff, like Trevor Lawrence is just so much better that it opens up the run game. I mean, that that's why he's the best player in the country. So we knew Pitt was going to load the box. They're going to take away ETN. That's kind of their, their thing. They're just going to load the box, blitz, sell out on the run, the problem is, is that they just been, they just been getting beat deep a lot. That's how Notre Dame beat them so bad, just verts. So, I mean, that's like I said, explosive plays in the past game been their Achilles heel, and just in the first half, Clemson had completions of 32, 43, 26, 25, and 70, and two touchdowns out of that. So it's like, okay, well, that's it. The game's over. That's because at halftime, I mean, it's done. But I think the biggest thing is that we're not even trying to force the run anymore, like on first down and stuff. Like, we're not really we're not really trying to force the run. We're thinking, okay, well, we'll just run an RPO, and if they're going to give us a look to throw, do we'll throw it out in the flat to Amari Rodgers and gain four yards. Like, we're cool with that. So it's almost just like we're, we're really prepared to throw the ball 50 times if we have to, which is good because, I mean, we're just not banging our head against the wall. We're doing what our personnel allows us to even though we're kind of thin um, at receiver. But just to just to emphasize that, I mean, in the first half, we had we had 23 first downs. So 23 first down snaps, and 16 of them were pass plays. Whereas against Notre Dame, literally every first down was ETN for negative two, ETN for one, like nothing, just completely stagnant on first down. So we were a lot better because we – we took the little underneath pass. So we were at least moving the ball, which is good. It was the first game that we really weren't behind the sticks a lot. Um, and, and you know, Travis Etienne really didn't do a whole lot, honestly. I mean, he had two touchdowns, but they're just little short goal line runs. 
I mean, he, he only had 14 touches the whole game. And I think part of that was just RPOs where they're stacking the box. So it's just the throw is open. You know what I mean? There's no point in trying to run him and giving him carries that are going nowhere. So I think that's part of it. But only three catches for 20 yards receiving. I mean, he had 11 carries. Lynn J. Dixon had nine. So, I mean, part of that was uh, us being up big, but like they mix him in and out. It's almost like we're intentionally trying to take carries off of him or something a little bit here. Um, I don't know, but, you know, I think, but the good thing is, is as bad as our offensive line's been all year, um, we actually, we had three ball carriers over five yards carry, but our longest run of the day was only 15. So, we were able to win the line of scrimmage a little bit, but definitely not explosive in the run. Had 150 yards, um, but offensive line looked better. I mean, we had trouble with our defensive ends, but those are their two best players. We knew that. Um, so, you know, is what it is defensively. Uh, we got James Skowski back, which is huge. Because 47 is just, I don't know, dude. He's really not even all that athletic. He's just, he's kind of like Ben Boer. He's just a little white dude that's just everywhere. So, Getting him and Tyler Davis back was big. So Skowski ended up leading the team with six tackles. Uh, Tyler Davis only had one tackle, but it was a sack. And the first interception, he batted it and let Malcolm Green get the tip for the interception. So had a couple good plays, was pressing the pocket well. Uh, so those two guys back made our defense look a hell of a lot better just instantly. And another cool thing, We've had we've already had 23 different players uh, start a game this year. So Venables got here in 2012, and since then, we've never started more than 21 different players in a season on defense. So we've done that through what is this nine games, which is kind of crazy because just with you know Darion Kendrick, this dude is I mean he's he's been locked down a corner every time he's been in the game. The problem has just been like being in the game. So, I mean, he's he's been out three games this year. None of them are COVID-related. He got banged up against Tech. Said you, you probably remember on that sideline where we were sitting. He kind of mm -hmm. got rolled up with Trenton Simpson right yeah. before halftime. Oh, they collided, didn't they? Or Yeah, they yeah. did. So he didn't – he, he kind of banged up his knee. So he didn't play the second half of the Georgia Tech game, which he wouldn't have anyway. But then, then they, they, did, they held him against Syracuse. So – He's missed three games, which sucks. But like I said, when he's on the field, he's really good. But we also had Sheridan Jones out in the secondary. But Malcolm Green, they talked about this dude all fall camp, talking about how he was just a stud. And we really hadn't seen him play at all. He finally got to play. had, I mean, three tackles and a pick. Okay. Um, Mario Goodrich, 31, the dude that got toasted at Tech. He's gotten toasted a couple of times. I mean, he rotates in, but when he he doesn't really play that much. When he does, he's he's been giving up catches. So he had a super good game, best game of his career, two picks. But really, the game was over like in a hurry because of our defense. We had three picks in the first quarter, twenty-one points off of them. It's thirty-one zip at the end of the first quarter. Like you can't win a game in the first quarter, but Pitt definitely lost in the first quarter for sure. And we took our foot off the gas big time, which, you know, offensively sucked. But we, we kicked it back into gear a little bit in the third quarter when they, they started to move the ball. But also, Trenton Simpson. So that dude that was running around against Notre Dame, 22, 
turns out he's like really, really good as an edge rusher. So we've been using this like speed rush. I guess that's what, it, what you would call it. Uh, defense where we have four down linemen, but we have, we have kind of a weird combination because we went, we went three down with Tyler Davis and Brissy or Tyler Davis and, and Murphy, excuse me, in the middle, you had Brissy moving from defensive tackle to defensive end. And then you have Trenton Simpson on the edge as a stand up blitzer, like a three, four edge guy, like Ojolari and all them. And he was just running right past offensive tackles. Like you do an NCAA 14, like you just run right by him. So I don't know. He's, he's shown against Notre Dame that he can cover freaking wide receivers in the slot. I mean, he, he, he really got dunked on by the tight end coming across the middle right there when he didn't make the tackle on a big third down against Notre Dame. But other than that, I mean, he, he looked really good. Um, and in this game, just same thing. So we've seen him. We've seen him be able to run sideline to sideline and tackle. We've seen him be able to cover different positions. And now he's out here blitzing. He really looks like a little great value, Isaiah, right now. That's that's kind of what it looks like. But I ain't going to compare nobody to that. But, yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, we, we scored a lot of points. They scored uh, almost no points. So, good game. I was glad to see us play uh, after three weeks off. Uh, so, we got – Got Virginia Tech this week. I'm excited about it. Last game of the regular season. If we win, we go play Notre Dame again. So maybe we'll show up ready to play. Yeah, dude, that the Clemson defense was just suffocating. And it's like Kenny Pickett's good, but I mean three picks, just I felt like it was like back to back to back. Yeah, just out of the gate. Yeah, and obviously, you know, me and my family are cheering against Clemson, so we were like, holy yeah. cow, dude, what is what is happening right now? But, I mean, defense looked really good, and the offense did what they had to do. You could tell they, they definitely took their foot off the pedal, but yeah, yeah. but it was never – we had, dude, we it was had never Will Sweeney getting – Will Sweeney's getting targets before halftime. Yeah, I, saw that. I, know, I, I know we got three receivers hurt right now or that can't play, but, dude – we're not that thin. That's unacceptable. <laughs> I guess Dabo don't have a problem with Pat Narduzzi. Shit, he was on pace to score more than 73 like he did against us. Seriously, I thought that's what was about to happen. Yes, me too. I thought I thought we were about to just throttle them through halftime and see what happened. Because I fully expected DJ to play, like, the whole second half. But, yeah, yeah. obviously, we just completely went into uh, to limp mode. But – and that happens sometimes with Davo because he wants to play so many people. But, yeah. again, the game is not won in the first quarter. Yeah. Well, I guess we can get into the Georgia versus Carolina game. Uh, Davinia, if you want to start or I'll start, either way. You can go ahead and start. I'll just chime them. All right. Sounds good. Well, I mean, just to start off, game went pretty much – how everyone expected it to go. UJ dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I, when I say dominated, I mean complete domination. It was a really odd game in terms of personnel for South Carolina. They were down about 20 players, not including the seven opt-outs, but that, you know, that includes guys that have been out for multiple weeks and not just this Georgia game. But at one point, Jamie Robinson was the only starter from game one still on the field. 
but you know i guess a good part of that is is a lot of guys with with little to no experience got got to get in the game got to play significant snaps uh on the defensive side mj webb who is a converted offensive lineman rod fenton joe anderson gilbert edmund and jordan rhodes all across the defensive line got in and played a bunch of snaps um, Jordan Rhodes is also an offensive lineman that got moved over. Linebacker, Mo Kaba, Daryl Ware, and then a guy I didn't even know before the game, uh, Noah Vincent, all came in, played a bunch of snaps at linebacker. Daryl Ware and Noah Vincent are both walk-on guys. Um, so I guess it's always cool to see those guys get in and get a chance to play. And then the secondary, Joey Hunter, who's a freshman, but I think the staff's pretty high on him. He got in and you know, it's Georgia. He got burnt for that touchdown, and it is what it is. But and then on the offense side, offensive side, there's a little more healthy on that side. Um, but freshman running back Rashad Amos, freshman receiver Jacari Caldwell, and then tight end Jaheim Bell all got in and got got a bunch of snaps. And then Zaquandre White, the transfer from from JUCO, uh, he played offense. He played a little bit of running back. He played some snaps of safety, and then he played a bunch of special teams. So he was. <laughs> all over the field and then you know as the game went on South Carolina was just getting beat up they lost Ernest Jones they lost his backup Mo Kaba. Cam Smith got banged up Jabari Ellis which was the only starter on the defensive line or the only you know starter that's started a game before on the on the defensive line all got banged up um, because you know I mean they're just taking the brute of it you know, defensively, South Carolina didn't really stand much of a chance, especially against that Georgia running game due to the defensive line just being kind of mix and match. You could really see from, like, the first drive that all, all Georgia had to do was run the ball. Um, they finished with 46 carries for 332 yards, which is an average of 7.2, and that's with JT Daniels negative uh, 18 yards. So it's really, in all honesty, a little bit better than that. I mean, like I said, UGA probably didn't even need to throw the ball. They could have probably ran the ball every single play and still beat the shit out of us. Um, so JT Daniels didn't really have to, have to do that much except hand the ball off. But then again, he, he could have if he needed to. Jamie Robinson, again, he led the team in tackles. Dude, I mean, the dude's a baller, really. He got that pick off the tip ball. And with that – entirely new defensive lineup pretty much he's got to be one that steps up and is kind of a leader out there because all those other guys haven't really played that much and I mean towards the end of the game he ended up kind of playing as an undersized linebacker in the box to try to try to do something about the run um, but he's just he's just a trooper really he's a small guy but you know he's one of the best tacklers in the nation probably he doesn't miss a whole bunch of them but it is what it is. And then offensively, you know, you're without Shy Smith with the concussion protocol and all that. So that allowed Georgia to drop back into to a quarters coverage um, and really be aggressive with blitzing to, you know, and they, they stopped the run and everything like that. South Carolina's offensive line just couldn't get a push at all in the run game. And Luke Doty was under pressure almost every single play. I saw this thing on, on Twitter and, and it was like, you, you really judge a quarterback's true accuracy from throws from a clean pocket. But Luke Doty is not going to get enough to even be able to judge that this game. So, I mean, he was on the run all night. There's always guys in his face. Um, people were even saying that South Carolina maybe should take him out because they thought he might get injured. 
but I thought I thought he held his own pretty well. He ended up going 18 for 22, which is about 82 percent for 190 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Um, which isn't, you know, those aren't stats that are just going to blow your mind, but it's not too bad against that Georgia defense without, you know, your leading receiver. He ended up kind of establishing a nice connection with the tight end Nick Muse, uh, which is probably due to the lack of ability for other receivers to get open. And then on that pick, Tyson Campbell made a, made a really nice play. Um, I think they were manned up. Tyson Campbell was in the flat, and then he, he left his assignment to, to cut off the route um, on the throw to Trey Kenyon, the tight end. But really, Luke Doty stared on the route and, and kind of telegraphed the throw, so Campbell was able to read his eyes, and that's just something Luke's going to have to learn from. But, you know, taking nothing away from Campbell, that was a, that was a nice play. Another guy you got to mention is Kevin Harris. You know, say what you want about this offense, but I don't think anybody can deny that Kevin Harris is, is one of the best running backs in the nation. Bobo said he's been banged up the past couple of weeks, but the dude continues to go out there and, and run hard as hell behind a pretty bad offensive line, honestly. Um, but again, game pretty much went as expected. Even at full strength, South Carolina doesn't win this game unless there's something crazy like another three-interception game like Izzy had last year. It's just not it's just not a matchup that South Carolina's roster is going to be able to handle. And really the last thing I'll say to wrap this up is mad respect to Kirby Smart. Uh, he knelt for the last play at the one-yard line to end the game. I know Georgia wanted revenge from last year, and, and they could have really probably put up 60 on us. But Kirby showed that sportsmanship at the end of the game, kneeling on the one-yard line. I mean – I just I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know who would have who would have ran that in? Dabo. Yeah. 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 I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Hey, Kirby. Hey, him and Brian Kelly tried that shit on us. They were like five seconds left, and he tried to. They got they ran hurry up and tried to score at the end. Yeah, but I yeah. I thought that was I just thought that was cool. Just Kirby showing some respect for Bobo over there. Um, that's really all I got, man. I'm. It's not a surprising game. I, I, I really honestly like seeing all the young guys get in and get a chance to play. Um, but, you know, having that first game, the first extended play time for all those freshmen and for walk-ons against a team like Georgia, it's just not going to go well. So I thought the guys went out, they fought their ass off. But, you know, it's just – it just is what it is. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to say because um, of my current situation. But I will say that uh, I, I did see a couple of the young guys come in and play. One of the last touchdowns um, to Arian Smith. I don't know if y'all remember yep. him in the recruiting class. Yeah, I saw uh, that was that was on uh, Joey Hunter. That was the t- touchdown I was talking about. Um, it was freshman versus freshman, right there. It was pretty cool. Uh, ran a 100 meter dash in high school. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, apparently he fast. Where's Matthew just, Bowling at? He just made they, they're, they were on the same track team because – Yeah, South Carolina wanted him, but – So, I'm, I was glad to see him finally get out there and play. He had been nursing an injury since um, the summer. A bunch of other uh, young guys like Broderick Jones came in. He's a five-star in this last class on the offensive line. He got some playing time. Zion Lowe got some more playing time on the defensive line. That's what I saw. That's what I was happy to see, just get some young guys, some experience. Because, you know, it was the game that 
everybody knew what the outcome was going to be, so it wasn't, you know, shocking or anything like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it ran the ball well. I'm glad to see James Cook get a spotlight finally, averaging 17 yards a carry. <laughs> Yeah, six touchdowns. Yeah, six six for one oh four. Dude, he looked like Todd Gurley out there running around. That's what it looked like. Yep. I know. He looked good. Yeah. I hope he stays next year, but we'll see. But yeah. Other than that, wouldn't he be the guy next year? Why wouldn't uh, he stay? I think Kendall Milton's gonna be the guy next year. Uh, Zamir's probably gonna stay another year. Oh, yeah. Mm. I didn't even think about yeah. that. I thought Zamir was older than that. No, they're the same age, but Zamir's a redshirt sophomore because of uh, ACL. Yeah, he's staying. And Cook's a junior. So, mm. yeah. they, came, they came in together, though. They're probably both staying. If, if they both stay, then that would be – I don't see them both staying, but if they do, that would be incredible. I mean, if they Zemir, both stay. A redshirt sophomore, he's about to look like Mike Tyson out there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if if our whole running back room stays, then that's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. There's no way they do because, I mean, somebody's about to be like, no, I can go get playing sometime. Exactly. Like Kenny McIntosh. That man's good. good. Yeah, that's a good running back too. He's good. I would say I would say the weakest link is Dejon Edwards, and he can still run the ball pretty good. I mean, if, yeah. he's also if Kendall Milton freshman, gets healthy, so. yeah, he's Kendall also Milton, if Kendall Milton gets healthy, I think he offers a lot more than someone like Zeus, which sucks to say because Zeus was the truth in high school. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like Kendall Milton's going to be good. I want to I want to see more out of James Cook because after Saturday, the way he was running the ball, I think I think he had, he has, in my eyes, the most NFL caliber talent if he if we throw him the ball more out of the backfield yeah that's the way like I was talking to somebody about that that's the way like that that NFL running back mold is going is that Alvin Kamara that's that's who you want uh, Christian McCaffrey you have to you have to Calvin Dalvin Cook like all them boys you you got to be good out of the backfield maybe Travis hopefully hopefully Travis yeah Travis be yeah, I, mean, I hope I hope he goes to the league and does it, but I just I have my doubts with Clemson players in the NFL. So that's why that's why he stayed and worked on them hands. Dude, you say that, Sam, but I know I'm digressing here. But I was watching NFL in the past couple of games, like there were at least six, seven Clemson guys that they kept saying their name. I'm like, damn, that boy went to Clemson. I forgot. So like Trayvon Mullins, all them guys. Bro, they, the yeah. last three or four years we've we've started to put like some decent players in so we'll see well i guess we can hop into the georgia tech versus duke game Sid. yeah um pleasantly welcome back pleasant. welcome back pleasantly surprised it's good to be back <laughs> i uh i missed it last week i went back and listened and um i mean y'all's y'all's evaluation was was fair i'd say y'all undersold how uh poor duke is i mean they're bad they're bad. They're very team. bad. They're very. They're bad. very bad. Uh, Chase Bryce is shit. Very bad. Um, very bad. <laughs> he he made some throws that I'd look at my dad and, and I was just like, "Holy shit, that was bad!" Like there was a tight end seam up the field at one point, and the guy was open, and he threw it like it was about a sixty yard um, post 
post route up the seam and he overthrew him by about 20. And I was just like, yeesh, this guy's bad. Uh, he turns the ball over a lot. I mean, I know Jeff does too. A lot of his interceptions are probably bad decisions because he's got pressure in his face, but they're There's tips. Some tips. They're There's tips. tips. I, I went back and counted. I think six of the 11, well, now it's 12, are tipped balls. Um, so that's tough. Uh, he hadn't had a great offensive line, but shout out to them because they just flat out whipped Duke's defensive line's ass. I mean, we straight up put it to him. Jameer, if he wouldn't have got out, there's no telling how many he would have ran for. He ran for 61, then ran for 30. Um, then he took a little that same little option route he takes on the linebacker out of the backfield, and he caught the ball. And he probably would have scored again if his hamstring doesn't give out because that boy was – he turned on the he turned on the burners. That's another it little, bad though. That's, do what? It looked bad. Uh, yeah, he's all right. He um, I think he'll be out this week. They say he'll probably be back by Thursday. They say he just tweaked his hamstring, but when he went to plant, it just he had no no like it was just shocking. I guess, I guess he just went straight down. Uh, he was Jam- walking around in front. Jameer Gibbs has that little uh, that little Alvin Kamara build too, catching on the backfield and all that Dude, stuff. He, he just those those ones where he breaks them. It's he, once it's open, he just hits that like speed that I haven't seen. You know, like like we haven't had that at Tech, so it's that's pretty Sid, cool. I don't I don't want I don't want to jump in the middle of this, but think about this because so like you said, offensive line went crazy. Zach Quinney and Jordan Williams at right tackle both had a really good game. Yeah, so you got to think like me and you talked about y'all's offensive line recruiting. Right. Like it's it's significantly better. Like y'all are about to have players. Think yeah. about Travis Etienne as a freshman. We didn't trust him to pass block, so we didn't ever put him out there. That's right. why y'all played Jameis and uh, Jordan Mason, right? Because they feel more comfortable in pass pro, right? So now that Jameer's about to be a, a sophomore and a junior, dude, he's about to take over all the snaps and have yeah. all the touches, and by, he's about to go crazy. He he is and. And just like you're talking about our offensive line, dude, Brent Key is really doing something serious because we actually rotated this game and we had a guy like Charlie Clark that has not played at all this year. And he played 37 snaps and graded out at 64.8 and the highest rated offensive lineman of the night. And he has not played at all this year. We kept guys fresh all night. If guys were struggling, like Quinny struggled for a little bit at left tackle, we brought in Charlie Clark and he cleaned it up. Then we bring in Quinny back. We were rotating guys. I had not seen a rotation like that on the offensive line. And then we just got a guy named Nick Penley from Mississippi State. He was a four-star offensive lineman. He didn't mix well with Mike Leach. He's transferring in next year. So, like, Brent Key is quickly turning this roster over up front. So, that's what's needed. And back to the running back room, man. Like, I'll go ahead and say it. Other than Clemson, Dante Smith would be a starting running back at any other school in the ACC, just about. I, maybe I, not UNC. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Michael Carter, <laughs> and then, yeah, I forget about them. But other than that, I can't think of a school where he, I could say, okay, there's no, he'd be in, you know, at the, out of the 2D. He, anytime he gets the ball, he's explosive. And he's realistically our four-string running back. Like Jordan Mason, I mean, that's kind of how we want to use our, our running backs. And he went for 105 on 21 carries. I mean, he's just like your bell cow back. You know, like we're going to give him touches and he's going to get you tough yardage. At the end of the game, when we need two or three yards on a third down, trying to run out the clock, you you know where the ball's going. He's going to get it. He don't have that speed. Like he broke one off 
and I was Jameer had broke two off Longlands, and I saw Jordan break it, and I was like, "Oh, he gone." And then I'm like, "Well, that's not that's not Jameer." So he got he got hawked. But I mean, I'm fine with it if he can give us 100 yards a night, tough carries. Um, Jeff actually he used his legs well. He went for 108 on 12 attempts. Jameer went for 91 on six before pulling his hamstring. He went for two touchdowns. And Dante, I mean, that's the thing. Jemias still is not healthy. We have not seen a healthy Jemias. And they they say he's better than Dante. And Dante comes in and pops too and gives you really good good runs at the end of the game when you, you've got – I mean, Jordan Mason went out hurt too. So, really, it was just down to Dante, they say. So, um, running back room's in a great spot. Uh, receiver, we're still a little, you know, um, we don't have a whole lot of guys that can create separation, but Jalen, Jalen Camp's a big reception receiver, and he made a nice catch on a touchdown pass. Uh, I will say Jeff made better decisions. Um, he made a terrible decision on a pick. He should have taken it. In high school, it's probably a throw he can make, but he's just got to take the sack with, I don't know, 40 seconds left in the half and take it to the locker room. Um, other than that, he made pretty good decisions. So offensive side of the ball is really happy. And then defensive side of the ball, uh, Tariq Carpenter's just been missing all year. And he was the most, by far the most physical guy on the field um, Saturday. He was just lighting dudes up. He was playing in the box. I mean, he's a 6'4", 225-pound safety. Uh, he was in the box just in run support. He was just laying it to the running back. So uh, he, he played 74 snaps and had the highest grade at 82.8. So we needed him back. He, I know he's gone through some mental issues and had two surgeries and got up to like 250. So he's been trying to drop that weight since the summer. So it's good to have him back. The main thing I'm impressed with is our defensive ends. Marco Coleman, I, I, the job he's done is just, I mean, it's impressive. We went from not having a guy that really like that pass rushing guy that you can just, you know, on a third and long, you got a good chance of getting to him and Jordan Dominic. He's just straight dominant out there, dude. He's he's throwing guys around. Like, I went back and watched the film, and his technique is so good. I think he had three sacks. One was a forced fumble in the end zone after we uh, pinned him deep on a safety punt. And uh, so having him out there is he, – he made a quick, quick leap in his ability. So And also a guy like Jared Ivey. I mean, he was a 5'6 guy we took last year. Ended up, I think, being a 5'7", but he's 6'6", and came in just skinny as a rail, and now he's up to about 235 playing defensive end. And, I mean, he's his technique has come a long way. So credit to the staff and the strength staff for finding guys like that, you know, to come in and contribute as a freshman. So um, I've seen some nice – I mean, yeah, we had three weeks off. We had a lot of time to prepare. Um, I wish we could have three weeks between every game because uh, we really do some coaching over that time. But Duke was obviously a must-win. I mean, we had we've gone one for two in our must-win games for the year. Obviously, dropping that one to Syracuse. But Duke is just bad. They're bad at football. So um, I'm glad to beat Cutcliffe like that. I think he's a jackass. I hate David Cutcliffe. So I'm. I, I really. I'll go ahead and say it. I think Duke's headed back to the, the beating the punching bag of the ACC because. Uh, they went through a couple of good defensive coordinators and some good defenses, and then they had Daniel Jones, and they were they were pretty competitive. But now they're going to go ba- back to being that team that just gets beat up on every week, and I'm I'm looking forward to that because I'm not a big David Cutcliffe fan. So um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I think it's going to be a long time before we lose to Duke again. I'm, uh, I mean, really, if you look at the score, 
we gave them a quick seven on a stupid punt where the freshman backs up to the three, muffs the punt, and it goes in the end zone, gave them a touchdown. We gave them two short yardages, and then we gave a stupid pick right before half. So, I mean, realistically, we beat the dog shit out of them. We, I mean, ran for 400 yards. That's Paul Johnson numbers right there. So it was just dominant up front for offensive line, which was good to see. Uh, I wish we wouldn't have given them those, those points and kept it close like we did, but it really was uh, – it's good to beat the shit out of Duke because that's a team that you, you should do that to. There's no excuse for not. So, I don't know. I'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes this week, but I was I was much uh, – I, I was pretty, pretty pleasantly surprised, I guess you could say, just to see the – it looked like a different team. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the offense that I kind of expect from Georgia Tech more than they've shown it because they just have right. a bunch of guys that are really explosive. They just haven't really been able to put it all together yet. And it is yeah. it, it was against Duke, who, like you said, is just a bad football team. But, I mean, you got to look at it and and be pretty optimistic about, about yeah. the future at least. Yeah, I, I say that just because, I mean – it's like Syracuse. That's a team we should have done this to as well. We should have ran for 400 yards and beat the shit out of them, but we didn't do it. So coming out there and doing what you're supposed to do, um, that's – the, the coaches had them prepared, and I was glad to see it. So, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I I listened to the podcast last week, and I heard you all talk about Jeff, and, I mean, he le- throws a shit ton of picks. But, like, I, I really don't believe he's Bre- Chase Bryce-level dog shit, you know. I don't think he is. No. I mean, he's, he's also he's a young. He has freshman. a much higher ceiling, of, yeah, of he has course. A, and and he makes some really nice throws and makes some good decisions, and then he turns around and makes a boneheaded, you know, eighteen-year-old kid mistake. So, he's a freshman. Yeah. So, like, there was one play, and this is probably the last thing I talked because I'm kind of rambling, but he went through three progressions, came back to the far side of the field, and made a and made a the right throw to a comeback route, and the receiver made a good play. Made, made his guy miss and scored a touchdown. But, like, a couple of weeks ago, we wouldn't see that out of Jeff. You know, he first progress, his first route, second progression, getting rid of the ball, making a bad throw. This one, he went through his progressions, had time, sat there in the pocket, and made a good throw. So, kudos to him. And then kudos – I mean, Duke's a bad team, but they, they have the two uh, leading – I think it's two guys that are tied for the lead in sacks and stuff in the ACC. They're pretty good defense alignments. So, um, yeah, Rump have, and Dumakeji. Yeah, I think we gave up two sacks all night. So that's uh it's pretty go. good in my book. So yeah. I mean, it was it was it was good to see, honestly. Cause I think I think we've all been kind of rooting for tech and hoping they can put it all together and, and they did. So and now and now we're uh are we rooting for South Carolina to get better? Absolutely. I am. <laughs> I, I am too. I mean, I I don't want y'all to be this bad. Hey, you like, know what like this is? Are bad. You know what this has done to me? I was on our board the other day arguing with a guy that was talking shit on South Carolina. Like I was, I found myself standing up for South Carolina. I was like, damn. Hell yeah. Who am I now? Like man, <laughs> that's man, my this... thing, dude. I just I don't like. I, I not to say that y'all aren't our rival, but at the same point, like I just I ain't got no problem with y'all. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, it's just. All right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get the questions. Uh, Sam, if you want to go ahead and take it away. All right. Let's see. Um, so, first one 
Will Ohio State have enough games to qualify for the Big Ten championship game? Um, they play Michigan State this Saturday, uh, but that one that one is in doubt as of right now because of uh, all the protocols the Big Ten has. Um, so if they do end up playing, Ryan Day cannot coach. So, I mean, if they don't play in this one, they're they're not going to have the required number of games. So kind of kind of a big deal if they don't play. We'll see if they bend the rules for them. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that too, and even like for for the playoff and everything, like are they are they going to be considered even if they don't play all the games? And they even have they have a shorter schedule than everybody else anyway. So yeah, it'll be yep. interesting how how that kind of shakes out. But I don't know, yeah, like what, the max what's, they can play right now is is seven until the championship game. What's what's the what's the game amount to qualify? I believe it's seven. So they got to they got to get through all the games. Uh, yeah, we're so gonna you, see. That's you super think they, interesting. You think they keep it at seven? I say hell they no. say they finish at six. They, there's no, no way. If Ohio State six and zero. Hell yeah, they're about to play in the Big Ten championship. The Big yeah. Ten's not stupid. Yeah, it would all that, you think would be the outraged. Big Ten, the Big Ten, they're not even really that great at basketball anymore. So it's kind of like football is the one thing they can do. So and they got to realize Ohio State's the breadwinner. Yeah, that's it. That's their cash cow. Of yeah. course, they're going to let them play in the championship game. If they yeah. lose, I mean, that's a different story. But they, they won't lose so. to nobody. Yeah, no, they won't. Playing an all Big Ten schedule, there ain't nobody in the Big Ten. You, you got past your hardest test with <clears throat> Indiana. So, I mean, dude, they're 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 literally just like Clemson. They don't play nobody. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, say say they do get this game in against Michigan State, they end up seven and zero, play in the conference championship, go eight and zero. Do they still make the playoff? Absolutely. You think so? I do. I think they should. Probably not, but I think they absolutely do. Well, I mean, I honestly, so, I, I think they're one of the best teams in the nation, but it's just, it. it I think it'll just be hard. I think it'll just be hard to put them in over, you know, uh, some other teams with one loss. I hope they do because I don't want to see a Cincinnati get in. I think we know at the how same turn- time. At, at the same time, this is a team that's like, that. What are they four zero? Yeah, I think so. So basically, um, they beat Penn State by like ten. Penn State sucks. They beat Illinois by a lot, and then, uh, or the first week they beat Nebraska. Nebraska sucks. Yeah. And then they come in and they play Indiana, pretty decent team, and Michael Penix throws for damn 500 yards on them. So it's almost like, yes, I feel like Ohio State is definitely one of, the, like, the five best teams in the country, no doubt about it. Yeah. But at the same time, they haven't proved anything. We always talk about strength of schedule and, right. you know, what your conference is like because of your conference. I mean, that's why the group of five has no chance because the competition level wasn't there. Yeah. So – yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I I just feel like nobody's gonna snub Ohio State. You know, Cincinnati's gonna take take that snubbing before Ohio State is. I think. Yeah, that's, of course. That's just the but... reality of the situation. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think I think the whole argument is gonna end up being Ohio State being like, well, I mean, we won all the games that that y'all let us play. Us. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean. but yeah, yeah we'll and see. I think the other part of it is that is that Ohio State. Is probably going to generate more revenue 
Absolutely. Yeah, the little bit yeah. of revenue you get, you would rather have them than Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, frankly. And I mean, who wants to see that game? Like, I'm almost to the I, – I have two ways of feeling about it. Like, okay, let's just go ahead and throw Cincinnati in this year. Because they're can, going in as four. They have to play Bama. This yeah. is how you have to think about it. They go in and get schlacked by Bama. And then, okay, it discredits this whole group of five powerhouse teams or whatever that UCF thinks. That's just, you know, whatever. So, or I don't want to see that shit. We've already had enough shitty games to watch this year. There ain't a whole lot of football. At least give us some good playoff games. Agreed. Yeah. So, I don't know. All right, Jacob. You want to give us uh, your update? Yeah, yeah, a little Carolina little. coaching surge. Let's hear about it. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, for for a while now, Shane Beamer's for the assistant head coach at Oklahoma has really been been the guy that's had a whole bunch of steam. Um, everybody says he's kind of at the top of the pack right now. There are even some people saying that it's kind of already a done deal, um, and that the announcement could come you know, as early as this coming Sunday or Monday. Uh, but we'll see. I, I think guys like Billy Napier and, and Jamie Chadwell and stuff like that are kind of kind of not, not, not like falling out of the search, but they're kind of going down the board a little bit. And so that kind of tells me that I think it's going to be Shane Beamer. At this point, I, I, I'd honestly be kind of surprised if it wasn't Shane Beamer. And a lot of people are, are really iffy about that because, you know, no – coordinator experience no head coaching experience but at sounds this, like somebody I know yeah but I mean at this point it's just just go ahead and get the hire done get on the recruiting get ready for the early signing period and try to do what you can put together a class and you know hopefully he can he can come in and hire some good assistants and whatnot there's one kind of rumored staff of Shane Beamer, head coach, uh, Garrett Riley, the SMU offensive coordinator, being the OC and running backs coach, Bud Foster, who was a longtime DC at Virginia Tech. He retired last year, um, but some are saying he might come out of retirement to, to be the defensive coordinator. And then keeping Mike Bobo on staff to be assistant head coach. And this this post says, and wide receivers coach, where I see him more, more of being assistant head coach and, and quarterbacks coach. Um, I think that would be a good staff because – a lot of people aren't so high on Bobo, but I like him, honestly. I think he's done a good job with what he's had, and I think he's a really good coach, especially, you know, for Luke Doty. And people kind of say he's never had a, a, had a dual-threat guy like Luke, but I think he's done a fairly good job in, in the limited time that Luke's had. There's also some people that came out and said that Bobo wanted Luke in – you know, after like the second game of the season, but he just wasn't ready yet. And I don't think Muschamp was, was all for that. Um, but yeah, I think but that would be a Muschamp. Like what's your problem with it, dude? Uh, I don't know. I think Muschamp had a lot of problems. I just, he just wasn't, he's just not a head coach, man. I think he's a good, a good football coach, but I don't think he's, he's a guy that can lead an SEC program to be, to yeah. be a winner. But I think I think if you're South Carolina, whoever your candidate is, Derek Mason has got to be like first and foremost defensive coordinator candidate you're after. In yeah, my opinion. Yeah. I've seen I've seen that a lot too after he got fired by Vanderbilt. He's a good I, defensive mind. I, where, I mean, was he, where was he at before Vandy? Like 
Um, oh, because I don't know him from anywhere other than that, and obviously they suck. So like I, I just have always thought he sucked. Uh, well, I, I mean, I know he was. Um, let's see. He, just, oh, he was. He was. He was, he was at Stanford. Yeah, he's he at Stanford. That's what I was just mm. asking. Yeah, he was the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator at Stanford yeah. uh, for Black 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 from 2010 to 2013. Yeah, so that's probably David Shaw in it. Yeah, yeah, it's when they were pretty damn good. Yeah, and then another name that I don't I don't know how much truth is behind this, but a guy like Charlie Strong to be defensive coordinator. You know, he's an analyst at Alabama right now, yeah. but he's he's got a good defensive mm-hmm. mind too. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't mind that either because I've heard a lot of Alabama fans at the beginning of the year when they were struggling on defense. Yeah, they were. They were like, let's just – well, let's just put Charlie Strong in a defense coordinator. So, I don't know. I I would like the Derek Mason thing just because I think he's a pretty good defensive coach. It's just at Vanderbilt. You can't get get guys. You can't win. It's just – it's a dead-end stop. Yeah, going to Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like that. So yeah, but the thing, I mean, you know, Shane Beamer, if I would he comes love to see in, them and Duke play. Yeah, actually, it would be the doo doo ball for real. <laughs> but as I was saying, if Shane Beamer comes in with his lack of experience being a coordinator on either side of the ball, or being a head coach anywhere, he's going to have to bring in a really good staff to to account for yeah. that because you know people have hated hearing this over the past couple couple weeks, but. He's more of a CEO type head coach. He's going to run the program and all that stuff and kind of leave the offense and defense and, and all the positions to the guys he hires, which could be good, could be bad. But, you know, all the guys on the list for, for the coaching search, they all have their positives. They all have their negatives. It's just, you know, we're, we're just going to have to honestly get lucky, hire, hire the right guy that's going to build the right culture because, you know, it's, it's not easy to win at South Carolina. Well, there is a, there is one uh, CEO style coach that's doing pretty well in the state of South Carolina right now. So uh, yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. But Dabo is also like Dabo's pretty involved in the offense. I wouldn't say overly involved, but if he hears a play call over the headset, he don't like it. They it, they don't run it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, like but I said, I would, I, I, would, is, I would kind of be he surprised. Is more of a CEO style be surprised if it if it wasn't Shane Beamer at this point. So, so I, this is my favorite part about coaching searches. Then. Do we have any, like, flight logs or, like, flight trackers yet? Any people, you know? People, like, dude, people, people are doing crap like that all I the love, time. I love that. You get on there and they're like, oh, well, this flight was booked from here to here. So, obviously, <laughs> they drove Shane Beamer to Texas and flew him out of there, and they met in um, Biloxi to have dinner with the president <laughs> yeah. of the South Carolina ball because one flight flew out of Columbia to Biloxi. Yeah. And there, there are people like Shane Beamer's in Greenville right now. Like he's definitely already has the job. And then other people are like, <laughs> no, he just has family in Greenville. Like it's not yeah. like that, but, but yeah, there's stuff like that. There's even people being like, you know, I think I just saw Urban Meyer in Columbia and it's like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Every program right now, has a, a faction of fans that say Urban Meyer's our guy. Like this is what's happening. Like Texas. Yeah, Texas uh, is all yeah. all about that. Oh, apparently Texas is like very hard after, and apparently Urban Meyer has what was it Notre Dame, USC, and Texas as his three schools that he'd go back to coach. Yeah, bro, you give him you give him Jimbo type money. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer got. Here's the thing about Urban Meyer though is he's he's got a little bit of like a shady side to him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. But I, I still like him. 
and I shouldn't, but I still kind of, I'm like, eh, you know, I like Urban Meyer. Yeah. So it's almost that. like not only would he, I mean, not only would he build Texas back, but then you got to think about all the bullshit that, you know, what, what all he doing on the side to get you back. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a risk reward with Urban Meyer, but obviously. Well, you know, Texas, Texas has the money. You yeah. Know they got the moolah to make it happen. Yeah. So. so if they want him, I mean, money is, is no object. Longhorn network could become his. I mean, yeah, that's just they have them. Yeah, it's going to become Trump TV. <laughs> oh, I guess also, you know, with uh, with Virginia Tech, they're not looking so good. And, and Fuente. yeah, Fuente, his, his seat's getting pretty hot. So people are questioning if if that job opens up, does Shane take that job or or does he take the South Carolina job over? And I think he takes the South Carolina job. I don't think he he, he wants to you don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, I don't, don't think he go. wants to follow in his dad's footsteps. Plus, um, it's just like, in my opinion, going back to your alma mater to coach. If you go back to your alma mater to coach and it doesn't work out, you no longer have an alma mater anymore. Yeah. And that's how that's how that works. Because yeah. people are pissed off and they that's just how that, that goes. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's really that's really all there is. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Shane Beamer named the next head coach as soon as Sunday. Um, but we'll see. Okay, well, I mean, I guess are are you cool with Beamer? Like, do you think that would be? Yeah, a good I move? think. I mean, okay. the thing the thing that's really sold me, you know, I did I did some digging on him, and I th- he's made some really good stops and been successful where he's been and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But one of the things that really sold it for me is all the players, all the former players that played under him coming forward and saying, "This is the guy. This is the guy that that knows the culture. He can build the culture back." bring back that winning attitude to South Carolina. So, I mean, it's, it's almost every single day you see a, a former Spurrier era guy come out and, and say, you know, we need Shane Beamer. Go ahead and hire him now. So, what years was he at Carolina? Oh, man, I want to say like was – right, Was like, he right through the, the golden I wanna, age? I want to say like – hold on. I can, I can look it up really quick. He was at South Carolina from 2007 to 2010, so kind of kind of right before okay. all that started. Okay. Uh, but so he helped build it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I don't have any say in the matter anyway. So whoever they do hire, I'm going to support you don't? and and <laughs> I'm going to support and, and hope that they do well. But I think Shane Beamer, he's he's a hit or miss guy, and I think he definitely has potential to be good. So. We'll see. Could be like Jeff Collins, former assistant going back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is how that worked out. <laughs> Had a little stop at Bama. And yep. uh, got, to, got to be a coordinator. So, I mean, that's what Beamer's done. He's gone and he's just kind of hopped around at, you know, some of the elite programs. Yep. I, mean, I don't think it's a bad bet, though. I don't think you can really like – I don't think any of them are like home runs. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Yeah. I don't, I mean, none of them are Urban Meyer to me. I feel like, no. like you said, they all have their pros or cons. But I mean, I mean, I feel like, you you could end up being yeah. a Butch Jones, or you could end up being a Luke Fickle. Like nobody know who Luke Fickle was, and all of a sudden, look at him at Cincinnati. You know, like yeah. yeah. My only my only hope is that Ray Tanner doesn't sign into like a seven year deal. That just you know, yeah. I need a short contract. And then yeah. we'll we'll evaluate it. I think that's how you have to play that. But yeah, some, I mean, some some of the stuff that came out was was you know a, a four year 
three mil per contract, which is fine. I mean, you need you need a few years to be able to even build up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm fine with that. I almost wish they would they would offer him a little bit less money so we can hire some all star staff, but you know, it is what it is. What is Muschamp making? Uh I think he made somewhere 13. around well, somewhere around four per year. Okay. I'm not sure. So you'll save a little bit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll move on. We got we got some trivia. So, Trevor Lawrence has played in 37 career games. He's got 33 career starts. How many fourth quarters has he appeared in? So, let's see. Uh, this is his junior year, right? Yeah. So, he's played in the national championship twice. Yep. So there's two. Then the playoff games before that, there's two more. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's four. Um, two ACC championship games. So there's six. He didn't play in the he last. Didn't, he one. didn't. He didn't play all four in the fourth quarter in the last one. Uh, hell no. I don't against Virginia. I don't think so. And then in eighteen against Pitt, I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Um, well, I know against. Against our, our first game against us, he came in late and played through the fir- first quarter. And then, um, obviously, last year he did, didn't play in the fourth quarter or this year. So, what are we at? One and then six. We're at seven. I honestly have no idea. I'm going to cap it at 12. I was going to say I was gonna say nine. Nine? Yeah. Damn. Dude, y'all are low. Y'all are real low. I mean, it's 20. No, it's not. So, yeah, he's played. <laughs> no, it's twenty. It's, no, it's not. <laughs> Why are you always lying, <laughs> bro? There ain't no way that man's played in twenty fourth quarters out of thirty seven. Yeah, out of thirty three starts. Thirty three starts. He's played in twenty fourth quarters. Damn. Yeah. So think about it like this: because the three games that or the four games before he had Kelly Bryant, um. You know, he didn't finish the A&M game. He didn't finish any of those games. He didn't start any of those games either. So, he might have come in and played a little bit, but really nothing there. But the 33 starts, he got knocked out against Syracuse. So, that would give you 32. So, he's 20 for 32 and making it to the fourth quarter. I thought that was, like, absurdly high. And y'all are out here talking about nine. (laughs) I I mean, I can't come up with many. I mean – yeah, because I, I don't really – In the past two years, there haven't been a team in the ACC worth the shit, and y'all haven't done y'all's, y'all's Clemsoning anymore. Y'all are just throttling people. <laughs> so, it's like, what game is he going to be in? No, usually in the second half when I'm watching y'all's games, you got like the second and third string guys out there in the third quarter. So, I'm like, all right, time to watch another game. I mean, y'all scored like 52 in the first half against us. I ain't gonna lie, dude. That shit is hard to watch after about the third quarter. <laughs> it's it's tough. I mean, because we hey, got Dabo's nephew playing playing quarterback or some bullshit. Hey, y'all need to uh, let Vandy uh, switch spots with y'all in the conference. I'm I think about Vandy it. Belongs I'm about it. I think um, there's uh, some teams in the SEC that would say no, we can't do that. 
because one of those guaranteed wins that they need to be around a six, seven win team would be gone. <laughs> and they're like, nah. Yeah. They're our punching bag. Maybe we need Vandy. Yeah. I mean, you got to think like a team like Missouri, Arkansas, Kentucky, all those teams are like, whoa, that's one of our wins that we get in the SEC that we got to have. You know? I mean, shit. I think, honestly, I think I'd be fine with it. We already play Clemson every year, anyways. And then, the, well, yeah, you know, it'd be if, fine if, for you. If they're an in conference team, that, mean, <laughs> that means we get another out of conference team to schedule, just schedule some boo boo cupcake game. You know, it is what it is. Well, so. well, shit. I mean, it won't happen, but we're in the conference and we don't technically have to play them every year, but we do because someone decided a long time ago that Clemson and Tech were going to be the crossover rivals. It'll be rivals, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody decided that was a good idea, and then Clemson was like, no, this shit ain't fun losing to Tech anymore. So for the last, like, six years, they're like, you know. They think we still beefing over John yeah. Heisman or something. You know, yeah. you know it's funny to me? <laughs> yes, for real. We so. sit here in 2020, and, you know, like, Clemson's obviously on the rise, and Georgia hopefully will get theirs one year here soon. Um, in like 20, 30 years down the road, how all our teams are going to look. Yeah. We'll like, probably have our easiest like, national Is Tech, tech going to be <laughs> in the running for the playoff in 20 years? Like, crazy. Yeah. If you think six. about all the blue bloods, like Nebraska and all those teams that used to be really good, they just yeah. crashed. Is it like Texas? I mean, Oh, Texas ain't shit. Really? Do you think Bama, for a long I, I, this time is shit? This is really just digressing, but do you think Bama's capable? Are they vulnerable to a crash and burn like Nebraska? I, not not while Saban's there. Yeah, I, I was about to Saban, say. Saban leaves, then they'll crash. I think it's gone too far, though. I think the resources and I think the whole uh, stature of college football, I think it's gone too far one way where Bama's not susceptible anymore, really. But that's – that's another topic we can get into. So yeah, we'll actually we'll we'll go ahead and get into a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, so, in in light of the uh, the rivals two fifty rankings for what is that the twenty twenty one class mm-hmm. uh, coming out today with the revisions, is there a recruiting bias for or against certain teams? So, say a guy commits to Clemson, does he get a bump if he commits? Yeah. To a lesser school, does he maybe get graded uh, negatively a little bit by that? So uh, I, I, th- I threw this one in there just because I was looking at the rankings and just looking at some different things. And, like, especially in a, a year like this one, it's funny to me how, I mean, a lot of kids haven't played football and they ha- haven't seen a lot of eva- – there aren't a lot of evaluations. You know, schools aren't seeing guys in person. And then these, these, these new rankings come out. And, like, I'll give an example. I mean, we just flipped a four-star linebacker that was in the 250 from South Carolina. Then the rankings come out, and he drops out of the 250. Do I believe oh, that? They, uh, dude, he was he was dropping out anyways if he's committed to South Carolina. Do I, do I believe? But he's made it through multiple re-rankings as a South Carolina commit and stayed in the 250. And then a week later, he – commits to tech now do i necessarily believe that there's a bias against tech no there's a lot of people on our board that i bitch about it all the time but does it look really weird hell yeah it does i mean shit what changed what changed over the past couple weeks the only difference is who we committed to no yeah i i agree with you man i i really do um it's like going back to last year jordan birch he was like the sixth or eighth or something ranked guy in the nation and then 
he commits South Carolina and he drops back to, I don't know, like 17 or something. I forget what he ended as, but it was a big drop and there wasn't any camps or any circuits or anything that he went to for that drop to occur. So, you know, is that why it happened? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that say, yes, it definitely is. But I, don't I know. think it's easy it if is. you're the yeah if you're what a fan of like a South Carolina or a Tech I think it's easy to say well there's your recruiting bias I mean like I'll give you this one guy and Sam you you know who he is his name's Caleb Edwards he's committed to us uh, these are, he's plays for Decula six A football playing they're the 36 ranked team in the state of Georgia like he's playing big boy football this is his stats against a Buford team he's a safety he's committed to us as a safety he had 137 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. He had a wildcat quarterback all the time. He had a, he had 154 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. And then he had seven tackles, one interception, two pass breakups and one sack in one game. And he's still 5.7 and not made it in the rivals 250. What's that man got to do? I mean, he's got, he's got offers from Stanford, Notre Dame, but he's like one of those highly a, intelligent kids. A great, a great example to this, Sid, is going to be Andrew Makuba, a guy that we got out of Texas not too long ago, committed, never visited the school, whatever. But he didn't really even like blow up in football until a couple of years ago, or I guess last year, because he was playing receiver in like big Texas high school football at receiver, just going crazy like 150 yards, a touchdown, at least a game, every game. But he was showing out on defense. So he's on the um, – he's on rivals as like a 5'6 or a 5'7 initially. Um, and, I mean, he looks he looks really good, but a lot of his highlights are on offense. So on defense, yeah, he's laying people out. Yeah, he's getting picks and stuff. But, I mean, if his highlight takes 10 minutes long, like – seven minutes of it or him on offense going crazy at receiver. So it's like, yeah, I think he's probably a four-star type potential guy, but he's he's not a four-star. Guess who got their four-star today? Andrew Makuba. So it's yeah. like, I, I think I think anytime prospects, like for anybody to go down, it means somebody else is going up. Right, yeah. So if you think about a guy like Barrett Carter, who, I mean, I think clearly is it's a five-star. Star. It, it's a shame that he play, just got like, him. Yeah, so it's kind of like I expect that. So for Barrett Carter to move up 17 spots, I mean, 17 guys have to move down. So looking at, you know, people on our board complain about it. They're like, oh, well, if they commit to Bama or Georgia, they they jump. Like, you know. People on Clemson's board complain yeah. about that, yes. bro? They, they say that they what? jump up for Bama and Wait, Georgia. I didn't hear that right. Okay, I'll tell you. They think that when – so, yes. They think that when kids commit to Clemson – they get a little bit of respect from rivals, but when a kid commits to Georgia or Bama, that rivals is just going to blow them off immediate 250, just all that kind of crap. So, I mean, it is what it is. Now, but, now I understand there's fans like on the tech board, and um, it is like, oh, well, this guy's a hidden gem. He should be a fo- no, he's not. He's <laughs> five foot eight and 190 pounds. Look, he's going to be a developmental guy, okay? He's no freaking hidden gem but yeah <laughs> there is some legitimate cases where uh, it yeah me. i mean you know you, you don't know if it's 
something that actually occurs or not. It probably doesn't. It was I think not, it, it definitely was... does. I mean, you got to okay, think. Here's my if example. I think a guy's good and Clemson offers him, they're like, oh, I think he's good. And the best, one of the best teams in the country thinks he's good too. He's obviously good. There we go. Right. Confirmed here's a, it. Here's another example. And this is really weird to me. There's a guy named, I think it's Austin or Andrew Uke. He's a big offensive lineman in Texas. He was committed to Holy Cross. We started recruiting him, and SMU started recruiting him, and he decommitted. He just got an offer from Stanford, and I think it was Notre Dame, and there's one other school. And he didn't have a ranking on rivals. When we offered him, he got the standard 5.5. Stanford, Notre Dame, and it was an SEC school, like a mid-tier. They came and offered him, and now he's a 5.7 rating. What, what changed? His offers from those certain schools? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, especially this year with no, you know, camps or anything. You're looking straight at high school yeah. stats. Offer, and offer credibility offers. is yeah, yeah. how credible are your offers. That's how good you are now. So, I mean, it is what it is. But I just thought that I was don't know. It's, it, it, is, it is a weird uh, trend that seems to occur very, very frequently with, you know. And my other thing a school is like, like South Carolina league? at least – the lead Southeast recruiter, um, Chad Simmons, he was at like six of Caleb Edwards' games this year. Watched him in person. Watched him just put up stupid stats. And no no increase in his ranking. So, like, I mean, obviously tech people don't like it because Chad Simmons used to be a huge Georgia fan, and um, he covered Georgia for a while. So people are like, oh, my God, this Georgia – guys in charge of all of our players recruitings no wonder our recruitings are so bad and all this shit and i'm like yeah yeah all right tenfold hat's got to come off but damn if it don't piss me off when i see cases like that i'm like this guy's four-star quality it's not a question and then at the end of the day you just want to produce when they get to tech when they get to carolina exactly i don't care i don't care what you are rated if you show up and you suck you still suck well, that's and that's if you're the five star, and you suck. It hurts even that's worse. That's why. That's why I hate five stars. Yeah, I feel like you just I, just pass them to us, Vinny. It's okay. We'll not, take them. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, but like, must be nice to be able to hate five stars. I ain't never yeah, hated I'm, one of those. We never <laughs> signed one of those. Yeah, but I'm. <laughs> I think it's just overrated though. Because actually, we so did. His name's Calvin Johnson, saying, but he was a four star because he committed to Tech. The whole, the whole, uh, the most obvious five star ever in the history of recruits, and he was a four star. You sound really upset about it. I am. <laughs> I'm pissed off. <laughs> but like five stars, like I feel like it should be held to like a select, like more. It's held select, to about thirty. More select than it already is, because like there are a lot of five star busts out there. Like, but at the same they, time, you take um, Demetrius Robertson on our team, for example. He was a five star out of Savannah Christian. Went over to Cal, had a decent year. Now he's at Georgia and, like, fights to take one snap. Yeah. So my question is, him going to Cal, do you think he secretly knew he wasn't a five-star? No, no one secretly knows he's not a five-star. <laughs> no, you know him. Every, no, dude, he, he went out to Cal thinking, I'm about to be Deshaun Jackson, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which he should have stayed over at Cal because yeah. he didn't realize that the SEC was a little better than the Pac-12. So, yeah. hey, I mean, first play I ever saw him, he took off. And yeah, that yeah, that sweep. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, a recruit is. I mean, rankings don't really matter. Like the guy is as but good as he is. Nice. So yeah, it is what it is. 
it is nice to say, hey, we had two 20, top 20 classes in a row, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah. You're right. It, it only matters about production once I get there. So, yeah. But this was a, this was a nice segue into the, uh, into the final topic we have. So over the past five recruiting cycles, this is 2017 through this current 2021 class of seniors, uh, Rivals has given 151 players uh, five-star status. So about 30 a year, pretty much on the dot. 83 of that 151 have gone to either Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, or LSU. Bama and Georgia have 20, Clemson at 17, Ohio State at 15, LSU at 11. So basically, Bama and Georgia are getting, of the 30, they're getting four each every year. <laughs> Clemson and Ohio State are getting three each every year. That is 14 out of the 30 gone to the three teams that stay in the playoff. Yep. Think oh, about that. Relation. Because since the playoff has been put into, you know, whatever, since they started doing the playoff, now the only teams that can recruit and have enough money because of these bowls and these championships, the only teams that can continually do this in terms of recruiting are the teams that are in the playoff. And if you're not already there, you're screwed because they're now hoarding all the talent, all of it. Yep. Clemson got DJ Uyunglele out here just playing patty cake on the sideline after throwing for 450 on Notre Dame. You're telling like why? I get it because you want to win, but at the same time, like it's not about playing time anymore for kids. So, or at least I think it might not be. Hang on, it's so, weird. Georgia. It's, it's so it could- weird because this is like the most playing time oriented age of football where kids just transfer. Yeah. There's there's so many kids in the transfer portal, but then it's like, nah, I'm still going to Georgia to go, you know, with three other running backs in my class and we're all the best running backs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't they care told us all we get 200 carries. Game. Yeah. They, yeah they Kirby, told us said, all Kirby said, I'm getting 100 carries the first game. So, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I think it also just shows you like who can like recruit really well, too. But well, I, it's more – it's the more only of a team logo. to have anything to sell. It's more yeah. – I think it's more of a logo thing yeah. when it comes down to it. It's absolutely a, like a brand, a logo Dude, not, thing. Not, not when it started. Not when Dude. it started. Dude, Georgia – okay, I agree, Alabama, but – Alabama wasn't shit when Saban first got there. Clemson okay. wasn't really Dude, shit. Dude, I'm talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking strictly in the playoff era. I don't, hold yeah. on. Okay, okay. But, but even they, outside of that. They, but even they outside of that. When they got even outside of that. Even outside of that. Devinny, point me to a time since they've done recruiting rankings that Georgia has finished outside of the top 15? Probably never. Never. That school recruits itself into the top 15 every year. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a logo thing. It's really. a logo. Because we're the school – yeah, because we're the school of state. Everybody, yeah, everybody. That's, 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 okay, the only, that's, that's my, yeah. that's my yeah. point. High school, know, dude, high school kids think y'all are popping. It, it is what it is. When That's you're my born, point. When you're born in Georgia, you like every kid wants to go. Yeah, you'll go play for the football Z. player wants to go play for their home state. Yeah, so yeah. to the extent think, the school recruits itself is what yeah, I'm saying. So, unless you're a yes. really, really good quarterback in the state of Georgia, then you don't want to go play. Yeah, there. then you grow <laughs> up and go. You go no. play for Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, but I, I think that what we were saying is like it's not 
necessarily that these schools just have so much better guys recruiting for them. Yeah. It's that, you know, they do have they really have good guys. To sell. They have really good guys recruiting for them for sure. But, you know, you take you take those guys recruiting for Georgia or Bama and you put them at, you know, Tech or South Carolina, not even going to be close to the same output I, because, I, of, I can because of the logo. Because I can give an example right now. Brent Key. Yeah, Brent Key. He was considered the number one recruiter in all of college football three years ago. He built yeah, the best all he built the best offensive line at Alabama right now. And at Tech, he's nowhere close right now. Yeah. We are getting better. But that's the thing, though, because you got to think about it. If you only have if, – if the playoff is the ultimate goal for every team that thinks they're good in the preseason, every team wants to win a championship. So once you get to the just the regular bowl games outside the playoff, or you ain't playing for shit. You no. know what I mean? Like at least I, before the playoff, it was like, oh, well, if we're ranked, we're not ranked. And we come in here and beat like number seventeen. Like we might jump into the ranking postseason. Now, are you? You know, I mean, you're playing to win, obviously, and you're playing for whatever trophy and whatever bowl gifts they gave you. But at the same point, as a fan, it's just kind of like this. Like, who cares? Well, see, I I, I kind of disagree with that, and I think that's a perspective thing because Tech or Carolina and Jacob, maybe he disagrees, but I feel like he would agree with me. We've not been to that playoff, but when we make a New Year's Six bowl, like when I went to Miami and we won the Orange Bowl and Dude, that was a damn good time, and I felt like we had a really good year. Well, I mean, was, specifically to recruits in terms of what they're looking at. That's the thing. You're yeah. seeing the same three or four, like Jacob said, logos competing for the for the trophy. So, for, I mean, for everything else, for them, it's just like, who cares? So, yeah. I, I mean, too. I don't know. I, I think we have a monopoly at the top, and it and kind of sucks because there's just less and less parity. Yeah, I mean, it's creating less and less competition, really. Exactly. Which, which really sucks for everyone yeah. outside of those those big, you know, uh, logo teams. Well, I'm part of the logo, and I still hate it because it's just – I want to <laughs> watch competitive football games that are interesting. Yeah. I don't – I mean, would, would, would it not be interesting to play a really good – I don't know uh, – play a really good Arkansas team or play a really good team and be like, yeah, we're probably going to win, but we'll catch them in a playoff game at some point. I mean, it's never going to happen for a school like Arkansas, in my opinion, but I mean, it's and compared to playing the same Bama team you played last year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I guess we can go ahead and move on to the overviews for this coming weekend. Uh, we'll start off with, Georgia versus Vanderbilt should be a really, really competitive <laughs> game. Give us this in-depth preview, Davini. Yeah, um, I've watched a lot of film on Vanny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're 0-8. They have a lot of holes everywhere. Look, <laughs> it's really just one big hole. <laughs> and Yeah, it's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I don't All right, know. And we'll, and we'll wrap it up there. I think. Yeah, I guess, I guess I need to finish it there. Um, yeah. We're not going to wrap it before we uh, destroy them on Saturday. So, oh, okay. Ooh. All right. Ooh. Yeah. It's Y'all seeing, nasty. I'm seeing, I don't think yeah. there's going to be many starters, you know, in the second half, probably none at all. Um, Are y'all leaving Pickens at home again? Y'all don't need him. <laughs> he opted out. <laughs> Nacho, we, we ain't like that. 
But yeah, it's gonna um, it's gonna be a slaughter. Um, I don't see Vandy winning a game this year. So no, no. yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean they're worse than South Carolina, so it should be like seventy-two to zero or something like that, probably. But Jacob, they're they're a lot worse than South Carolina, which I is think, which I think is surprising. Them out. Which is very I think, surprising. I think, Daniels goes for four hundred. I, I don't think even think he has to. Away. I think they're yeah, by far he might away not even throw it. He might not yeah. throw it. Are they the worst Power Five football team? Out yes. Yeah. I'd say so. Potentially. Definitely. Who's worse? Yes. Who's worse? No idea. I th- I think I think them and Duke are very bad. I think Kansas is very bad. Kansas oh, is very bad. Kansas, Kansas, Kansas is arguably Kansas. worse. Vandy, um, Kansas would I mean, be the doo doo hole. Shit. Dude, maybe that's what should happen. Maybe we should have like a a, a lower playoff where the and bottom you four pay, teams play. You pay fans to watch it. <laughs> you know what? They, they shouldn't even deserve a stadium. They should go out there. No, and, they play at the pit on, in on Milledgeville. A, on a cow pasture. <laughs> and don't, play even, the don't, pit even Milledgeville. Them, don't even give them yard lines. And Jay, right. Jay is announcing the game at the pit in the 80 cent. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of game that is. And play with a wow. soccer ball. Well, I wow. guess, you know, that's all you really need to know about UJ versus Vandy. It's just going to be a very uncompetitive game. I mean, Georgia's just going to be way better. Georgia's, Georgia's about to catch a felony out there. Yeah, it's going to be bad. So, you know, we can just go ahead and move on to Georgia Tech and NC State. Yeah, it should be a much more competitive game, at least I hope. I mean, NC State's kind of playing better ball with um, Bailey Hockman playing. Leary is out. Um, he's actually started to play better other than that terrible – not top 10 play where he threw the ball out of bounds when he was getting sacked. I mean, he threw it out of the back of the end zone when he was getting sacked, trying to throw the ball away, um, his own end zone. So that was interesting. Um, I feel like Dave Dorn's just like an average coach. I don't know how he keeps his job, but um, he does just the bare minimum to keep it. Not really worried about them like X and O's coaching wise. We beat them last year and we're much, I, I think we're a better team than last year, obviously. So, if Jeff keeps the turnovers down, we win the turnover margin somehow. And I think defense, we simplified a lot of things. David Curry actually played a pretty good game last week. I, I know. I, I said that on a um, – that's, that's, docu- that's documented. <laughs> Sid, say psych. I, I can't do <laughs> Say psych. He, he actually did, and that you can document that. I said that. Um, Hold on. So he what did. is the date, dude? i got to write this down. Hey, yeah. we hey, put down it was against Duke as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He worked hard. I, I'm proud of him. Six years later, all that hard work paid off game. in the Duke game. A good game. <laughs> the the David Curry flex, just flex on him. Um, that's his. That's his number one move when a guy drops a ball and like falls down. <laughs> he like flex on him. But anyways, so defense should be better. I think we can get a pass rush. I think we can rough up this Bailey Hockney kid. He kind of reminds me of Chase Bryce a little bit. Like he's not mobile first. Like he's not run first quarterback, but he can kind of he can kind of get out of the pocket and extend some plays. Um I hope he plays as bad as Chase Bryce did. And I think we should enforce our will again against them. They run a three four defense and their defensive tackle is pretty good, but I, I think we should be able to run the ball. If Jordan Mason's healthy, he got banged up a little bit, but if he's healthy and Dante and Maybe Jemias is 100% by then. I think we should be able to just run the ball down their throat. And uh, 
I, that's really all I got. I mean, they could come out there and beat us by two scores, or I, I think we got a good chance to beat them. So it's going to be interesting to see how this week goes. Yeah, should be a good one. Um, I guess I can get into the Carolina, Kentucky. I guess first off, they're calling for a little bit of snow up in Lexington, which would be really cool, honestly. I guess not that cool for the for the football players because they're used to the Carolina heat, but cool for everybody watching. It's yeah, been snowing it looks in, sick on TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's but, been snowing in Oxford all year. <laughs> with Lane Kiffin. Yeah, with Lane you crazy. Train. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> Uh, but South Carolina is going to be without the same guys on defense, and Ernest Jones is, is doubtful. Uh, it's not sounding like he's going to be able to play. Is Shai Smith back? He's questionable. Bobo said he's been working hard to get back, um, but at the end of the day, it's the doctor's decision since he's in the concussion protocol and all that stuff. Deshaun okay. Fenwick's still out with COVID. <clears throat> um, and a guy, you know, Deshaun Fenwick and Kingsley and Abare were both guys that I was surprised missed the game, but they missed because of COVID uh, this past weekend, and they're still out for this game. So we won't see either of those guys. Uh, still trying to find a, a, the right guy at left tackle. Georgia really abused that side. And, you know, any anybody we put in there just kind of just kind of got beat up. So we're looking for a guy to, to play there for Kentucky. Um, but I guess getting into the actual game, Kentucky is, is big and physical at the point of attack on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're run heavy with Rodriguez and, and um, Rose at running back, which, you know, isn't a great thing for South Carolina's mixed match defensive line right now, as you can see from Georgia. Uh, Terry Wilson is, is probably a better runner than he is passer. And when he does throw, he usually goes to one guy, Josh uh, Ali, or I don't know how you pronounce it, Ali Ali whatever it is. He has 44 reception on the season. The next next guy with the highest reception number is 14. So that's really the guy they're trying to get the ball to when they throw it. I guess offensively for South Carolina, a big point of pride for this season is getting Kevin Harris to 1,000 yards. He's 72 away, so I would expect them to run him until he gets those 72 yards. The staff hasn't put too much on Luke Doty's plate yet in terms of you know audibles or checks at the line. So I hope they open that up a little bit, and I hope they kind of let him make more throws downfield because a majority of his throws were at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage against Georgia. A lot of it was short. But, you know, that throw down, down the sideline to Nick Muse was a dime. So I'd, I would kind of like to see him have a chance for, for a couple more of those throws. Um, Kentucky plays a lot of zone, a lot of zone coverage on defense. So the receivers are going to have to find those those – you know, little holes in, in coverage, and Luke Doty's going to have to throw the ball accurately. Uh, they have a solid D-line, but it's obviously nothing like Georgia's. So hopefully the offensive line can get a little bit of push, create some space for Kevin Harris, and give Luke Doty a little bit more time in the pocket to go through progressions and, and make some throws. And, you know, hopefully Shaw Smith's back. Again, he's questionable, um, but I know that he wants to play. You know, he's a guy that could could just be done already, but – he wants to get out there. He wants to play. So kudos to him for that. But hopefully he's back so that, you know, he can kind of keep that Kentucky defense honest. Like I said, Georgia was able to just kind of sit back in quarter in, in a quarter's defense and load the box and blitz and all that stuff. And they just created havoc in the backfield. So Shaw Smith's a guy that, that keeps the defense honest back there. And, you know, Kentucky – 
Kentucky's best DB, Kelvin Joseph, opted out, uh, I think, yesterday or, or a couple of days ago, which should be beneficial for the passing game. And, that, I mean, that's honestly really most of what I got for it. The keys are going to be like they have been all season, establish the running game with Kevin Harris, try to slow down their running game, and, you know, honestly just try to stack the box. And if you're going to get beat, make Terry Wilson beat you with his arm because I don't know if he can do that. And just to wrap it up, I guess, I just want to see the guys go out and continue to compete. You know, a bunch of these guys are guys that probably never thought that they would be playing this much when they came into the season. A bunch of freshmen walk-ons, like I said, they have nothing to lose. So just go out there and, and play hard and have some fun. You know, if we win the game, that's great. But I really kind of look at these last few games as, as almost like a – It's a tryout. Yeah, almost like a tryout or just kind of almost like – not scrimmages, but, you know, just something to – get these guys feet wet and the year of yeah. eligibility doesn't really count anyway. So all these freshmen are still going to be freshmen anyways, um, but they'll have a little bit of experience in their back pockets. So it'll be, I think it'll be a really honestly a pretty good game. I think this matchup we match up or South Carolina matches up a little bit better. Um, this game will a lot better this game than they did with Georgia. Uh, so we'll see, man. We'll see. I hope Luke Doty is as efficient as he was. And if shot if shots miss back, I think we have a chance. So yeah, it's going to be a good game. Spreads at like ten, I think. I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that the spread was so high because I mean Kentucky hasn't played that well either. So they're what three and four, three and six. Oh lord. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a pretty big spread considering they're not very good either. Yeah. But yeah, we'll just have to we'll just have to be a little bit better at the point of attack, especially on the defensive line. Got a bunch of those guys. You know, I, I need to see Zach Pickens continue to play well. He got a sack on JT Daniels against Georgia. He looked, you know, fairly disruptive with what you have. Um, but I want to see him continue to come on. I don't know if Jordan Birch will be back or not. I think he's had some finger or wrist problems. I'm not sure they sat him last game. Hopefully he's back. And yeah, I mean, we'll see. It'll be good. That's really all I got though. So I guess we can hop on over to Clemson versus Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, so like you said about snow, they're, they're talking about snow in Blacksburg too. Wish we had a white helmet for that. So we could just go straight up white you know, pull up like some stormtroopers or something. Um, but unfortunately, we will not be doing that. Uh, but I fully expect, uh, I mean, when we're on offense, I fully expect Virginia Tech just to load the box, just like everybody has all season. Uh, they're just going to continue to sell out for the run and, you know, take away Travis Etienne. But then what that opens up is you're telling Trevor Lawrence, okay, well, just beat us with your arm. Okay. So, I think we've, you know, just by play calling last week, I think we've shown a little bit of a willingness to just, instead of feeding Travis runs inside that we know we don't have the offensive line to really get a push and do anything for him, instead of just unnecessary plays, we've shown a willingness to to throw the short pass outside. Like we're not, we're really prepared to throw the ball 40, 50 times. That's what you have to be able to do. I mean, that's what LSU did that's the way you spread people out. So, um, but the, the Virginia tech defense, I mean, they're, they're not a super impressive unit, honestly, 
Um, they're not very deep. You can tell they're they don't play very well in the second half um, defensively. And as the season's going on, they've had they've had more and more issues. Obviously, they had the really good corner. Um, I can't remember his name, but they had a really good corner opt out like back during the summer. And he was talking, you know, on Mel Kuyper's big board, like projected first, maybe second round pick. So pretty good player at corner. They lose him and nobody else is really, I mean, none of them are anybody you're going to know from recruiting, uh, whether that's regional or just because they, they weren't very uh, highly recruited. So there's just not a lot of players that jump out at you, but um, you know, their best defense is really when the offense is controlling the clock, just keeping on the ground with Hendon Hooker and, and Khalil Herbert, the running back. So really just keeping their defense off the field or at least keeping them fresh is going to be a big deal for Virginia Tech. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how much we try to run the ball <clears throat> um, because I think against Pitt, we kind of, you know, we look at their front seven and we say, okay, they're going to, they're clearly putting seven, eight guys in the box every play. We're not going to run an inside zone with, you know, our five offensive linemen and a tight end. That if you can do math, you can tell that it is not going to work. So instead of doing that kind of crap on first downs, on second downs, just being able to, you know, to take the RPO and, and get the ball out and just maintaining drives. But, you know, against against Virginia Tech, their defensive line is, you know, eh. So do we try and run the ball? Like, do we try and establish the run a little bit more? I think we'd probably like to, but it'll be interesting to see if we would just if we just let Trevor do it or if we, we try and ride ETN a little bit, if we keep him fresh for Notre Dame. But, you know, um, and I think with the, with the way Cornell Powell's been playing, it's almost like, why wouldn't you throw the ball? Just chunk it, and 17 is going to go get it. Like he came out of nowhere for real because he was like a 6.0 in rivals as a recruit back in like 2016 or 2017, something stupid, uh, got hurt as a junior and had a red shirt. So really for the last like two, three years, heard absolutely nothing about Cornell Powell. And then he is just, I mean, he's just exploded the last like three games really since the tech game. He had a good game then, had a touchdown in the first drive against Syracuse, and then just that stretch of Boston College, Notre Dame, and then Pitt just going crazy. You know, when, when Clemson's on defense, I talked about Hendon Hooker, Virginia Tech's quarterback a little bit, but he's just he's been super, super good as a running. I mean, Khalil Herbert, the running back, statistically, he's probably he's he is one of the top backs in the ACC behind the guys uh, from North Carolina. I mean, he's got 850, almost 900 yards. He's got a bunch of touchdowns. But both of those guys have kind of cooled off lately. Their, their offensive line is actually really, really good. But but both of those guys have, have, have cooled off of late. They've, they've lost all of their last three games. They lost four of their last five. So they lost to, to Liberty Miami, or Miami and then Pitt. Pitt blew them out two weeks ago. So I'm sitting here thinking – if we just railroaded Pitt like that, and now we have Virginia Tech, who can't throw the ball very well, we know that they're going to run. So we have our two run stuffers, Tyler Davis and Skowski, back. I mean, this this is not a recipe for success. You know what I'm saying? 
So, but obviously the biggest knock on Virginia Tech's offense is they can't they can't throw the ball consistently. They don't really have any receivers. Hendon Hooker's not a great passer. So they're very easily one-dimensional. Like I said, their offensive line's good, though. Um, they're the second highest graded offensive line in the country, according to PFF. Uh, Notre Dame is number one with a 92.7 grade. And Virginia Tech is second with an 87.2. So really good offensive line as a whole. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how our how our defensive line matches up. But it'll be interesting to see because we're actually going to be able to put four down linemen and kind of get into to the more traditional Brent Venables uh, look defensively. But I mean, that's 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 really it. I mean, I think I mean, I, I don't I don't think Virginia Tech matches up well. I think our defense right now, we're healthy. We have a we have a ton of depth. Like I said, we've started more guys than we ever have under Brent Venables already. So like we're we're deep, we have a lot of talent defensively. So on a team that can't throw the ball, and you know I just I think we're focused right now because we understand we have to beat them to get back at Notre Dame. So it's not like you just cakewalk through this one and you know overlook them. Like you you probably want to make a statement honestly. So I think it'll be an interesting game. I just hope we win. I think we will win. I really don't. I really don't see a whole lot uh, Virginia Tech can do to stop us defensively, because um, we're gonna we're probably gonna go up and down the field throwing the ball on them, um, you know. And, and the, if they can't if they can't run the ball, then you know what I'm saying. I just feel like this is this is gonna be another blowout game, probably boring in the second half. So, but I hope not. I hope Virginia Tech uh, is competitive. But we'll see. Yeah, it, I, it probably won't be a very competitive game. Yeah, it's just not shaping up to be, you know. Like, I'm trying to be optimistic <laughs> about it, but at the same time, this – it don't look good for them. Yeah. Because we looked as – I, mean, I they, mean, last week we looked as good as we've looked all year. Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech got beat down by Pitt, didn't they? Yeah. Like, pretty bad, so – and then y'all beat down Pitt pretty bad, so – yeah. You know, doing the math there, one plus one equals blowout. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I hate to sound like upset saying like, yeah, I feel like we're going to kick their ass. Uh, like I'm talking like that's a bad thing, but, you know. <laughs> At the same time, I'm excited to see it because, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, like they're about to be gone. So it's kind of like you just got to got to yeah. enjoy this duo while we got it. So. Yeah. I want to see him play as many games as possible. Thank goodness. See you later. Hey, they they have eligibility left. I know. They they I have know. not declared for the draft. <sighs> well, I guess with the with the overviews done, we can move into the game picks. Just kidding. So. Yeah, just kidding. They gone. Yeah, I mean, they're. I would be very, I would be very surprised to see either of them return. They're, because they're not returning. More they're, than they're very gone. surprised. They're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're, they're both first-round grades. Lots of monies. Yep. Bag. Yeah, but let's go ahead and move into the picks then. Cool boy. All right. So it's a, a week full of good games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Sun Belt is bringing some heavy hitters this week. 
I'm not sure how much Sunbelt football y'all watch, but hope you've been studying up. So first game we got, I think this is actually on a Friday night. Um, we have App State hosting Billy Napier in Louisiana. So App State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home here. Sid, what you got? Yeah, I, uh, I got Louisiana. I like what Napier's doing. Um, like I said, he was on my short list for Carolina to hire. Um, App State's a pretty good team. Like I said, they're always a tough out whenever they play, but they play Coastal really well. So it's going to be a close one, but I, I got Louisiana. Yeah, I'm going the opposite. I'm rolling App State right here. Yeah, this one, I mean, like you said, this one's a tough one. They're both really good teams. A lot of people probably haven't watched a whole bunch of either of them. Um, I've been watching more Louisiana since Billy Napier has been in kind of the hunt for the job, for the South Carolina job. But, you know, I think I think I got to go with Louisiana here. They got a pretty pretty powerful offense, score a bunch of points. Um, so I'm going to go with Louisiana. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm taking Louisiana. Next game up, uh, we got some noon SEC games up here. Uh, so we have Auburn hosting Texas A&M. A&M is a touchdown favorite on the road. Uh, I think Texas A&M is actually a pretty good team. Um, I, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they're uh, one of the, like, the first first teams out on that bubble. So um, I'm going with Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm going with A&M right here too. I think they're just better. Yeah, I agree. I think Texas A&M's a good team. They, you know, they've they've shown some inconsistencies, but overall they're pretty solid on both sides of the ball. Kellen Mond's had a really good year, um, so I'm taking Texas A&M. Yeah, A&M actually has some dudes on defense. Like they have a yeah. they have a pretty decent team. They're they're not super impressive. Yeah, but they're they're a very good team. So I'm yeah, give me Texas A&M. Stats wise, they have the best defense in the SEC. Yep. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not playing. So. Next game, a little Big 12 action. Um, we got TCU hosting Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Uh, I think this one's uh, pretty simple. I think it'll be more than two-and-a-half points. I'm going to go with uh, OK State. Yep, I agree. OK State. Yeah, man. I. This one's difficult for me because, you know, I love TCU and what they got going on, but they've had a really – kind of an up and down year beat Texas but they come back they've lost a few games that they probably shouldn't have Max Duggan's a good quarterback man uh he is but he also is the leading rusher for the team which is not a good sign but they are getting Zach Evans going the number one running back from this past class uh, he hadn't really had a whole lot of carries but last week he had 12 carries for 100 yards it was against Kansas though um but I think they're getting mm. go I think they're getting him going a little bit Kansas but you know Oklahoma State has Chuba Hubbard they got Tylen Wallace and Tylen Wallace has like 75 percent of the the receiving he's a, or he's a yeah, beast. like 75 percent of the receiving yards on the whole team um, he's a beast their quarterback just throws it up and he just goes and has to get it yeah so I really want to take TCU here, but do it. All right, I'm just gonna go TCU. I'm just gonna die on this TCU hill. I've picked them pretty much every week we've picked, so I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. Never pick against your squad. TCU, baby. That's the rule. Never pick oh, against your squad. He, hey, he, Sid, you you didn't see last week. Jacob Jacob picked picked 
picked against them. That's yeah. just so – that's an obvious I will, pick. I will, I, will say, I will say I picked against my squad one time against Clemson, and it proved to be <laughs> the, the right move. The real question is why y'all even asked me to put that game on here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. Uh, back uh, to what back to what your regularly scheduled program. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm taking Oklahoma State here. Uh, I I don't I don't feel super confident about any Big Twelve pick. Um, so I'm just gonna go my gut. Uh, next game up, we have Mizzou. Hmm. This is an interesting game. Mizzou is a three and a half point favorite at home against Arkansas. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Man. I don't know. I, I really like Sam Pittman as a coach. I really like Ar- where Arkansas is headed. Um, I also think Mizzou's not terrible on offense. I, I think their offense is their pretty, quarterback's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think they're one of those teams that's like sneaky good. You know, like you think, oh, Missouri, but I, I think they're like not sneaky good, but they're shockingly competitive, is what I want to say. So this one's kind of tough, but. I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to take Arkansas with Sam Pittman. Yeah, I'm out with Arkansas here as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Missouri's they've played pretty good. I'm not I'm not super sold on them, though. You know, I mean, they beat South Carolina, obviously, but South Carolina has way more problems than that. You know, I just don't – I'm surprised that Missouri's favored right here because I think Arkansas is actually a really good team. Um, so, I'm going to go with Arkansas. Hmm. So everybody's going with Arkansas so far. That is correct. Do I do I do I play strategy and hope Connor Basilek goes crazy against Arkansas and pick up the two points on y'all? Could, but Arkansas's defense is pretty damn good. Yeah. yeah. They, they, just, they just get do, so bro. many turnovers. They just get do. so many turnovers. I don't I don't think they're gonna win, but I think they could definitely lose. So I mean, hmm. yeah. You know what? I agree. I'm going to take Arkansas. I, I just, I just don't trust Missouri. I would love to gain two points on the field here, but I just, I don't trust Missouri. The game you need to, the, the game you need to do that is this next game, because yeah. I feel like this next game can easily go either way. Yeah, I do. However, feel yeah, yeah. like the Arkansas Missouri game. That's a, two pretty good coaches, in my opinion. Uh, Sam Pittman, Drinkowitz. I, I like both kind of what they're doing. So yeah. They both got something going at each program. It ought to be a hell of a game. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of a hell of a game, uh, we have Coastal hosting Liberty. A little editor's note here. The Coastal versus Liberty game was actually canceled due to an outbreak of COVID at Liberty. So now it's going to be Coastal versus BYU. So Sid's taking BYU. Davini is sticking with Coastal. And then me and Sam are both taking BYU. But now back to the podcast. Uh, Iowa State, six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against West Virginia. Yeah, this one's pretty simple here, boys. Uh, Cyclones are a pretty damn good team. Yep. And uh, going with Iowa State. Yep. Iowa State all the way. Yeah, like you said, easy one. I'm going to Iowa State. Yep, Iowa State. Brees Hall probably going to run for like 300 yards. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I like, I like the quickies on there. Yep. Uh, next one, Sid, this one's for you. Uh, we got Georgia Tech traveling. Uh, to NC State. NC State's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I, I see Jacob hasn't put in his pick here, but I, I really want all three of y'all to pick NC State and we pick Tech. 
And because, uh, you know, I'm not going to pick against my squad unless we're Cannot to pick against the squad. And, um, you know, it worked out against Louisville. And I, I think that's where I, I gained my ground. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm picking us and I'm, I'm hoping uh, that that further puts the divide in between us. <laughs> I think I'm rocking with NC State here because I do think they're better than Duke. Um, Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they did beat Liberty, and Liberty's a pretty good team as well. So, yeah, Vermont with NC State. Yeah, this one, you know, I've picked Georgia Tech a lot of the weeks. Um, see, you know, sometimes a team needs that, that you know, kind of doo-doo opponent to, to get everything back on track, and maybe Georgia Tech did. But without Jameer Gibbs, I don't know if he's playing or not. That scares me. It really does because he's kind of – he's – the life of the offense a lot of the time. So I think I got to go NC State here. Yeah, um, I'm with y'all. Sid, you're going to get your wish. I'm, I'm taking NC State here. I like it. Don't forget about Dante, Jacob. I'm just saying, when he when he scores two or three this week. That's true. That's true. He did. Right. I mean, he did retweet one of our tweets on the Forbert's yeah. Twitter account. Everybody go, follow, everybody go follow the Twitter account, by the way. Yeah, 2K Tay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, NC State is the only team to beat Liberty this year. That's why I'm picking them here. Yeah. Next game up, we got Kentucky at home, 10.5-point favorite, playing South Carolina. Jacob, this sucks because I really want to pick South Carolina. I just can't, though, with with, with an interim coach and the young guys in y'all's team. Um, I'm a, I like Doty. I like where y'all are going, but uh, – uh, for me to pick South Carolina, y'all have to have, you know, yeah, a new head coach and all that kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll get back to that next year maybe. But I'm, I'm going to go with Kentucky even though I, I I don't know. I'm not too confident in them. But. Yeah, I'm going with Kentucky here as well. Um, their defense is still pretty solid. Um, they don't have much of an offense, so I don't expect this being a high-scoring game. Um, but I do think Kentucky is going to come out with a W. Yeah, I mean – like you said, uh, their defense is good. Their offense is not. Our defense is not good. Our offense is, is not super good, but they're, I guess they're our stronger point. But, you know, I'm not going to pick against the boys here. You know, we have a lot like of questions. We got Never a lot of question marks. We got a lot of question marks on defense, everything like that. But the guys play hard that are on the field still. So, I'm just going to go with the boys, South Carolina. Yeah. Jacob, my, my my issue with that right there is it's just I know they play hard, but it's just they're just not very good. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. I agree. So, you know, I I got Kentucky right here. So finally, into what was initially our game of the week, we have Wisconsin at home, nine and a half point favorite against Indiana. But Indiana, we learned earlier this week. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. torn ACL done for the year. So, but Wisconsin coming off a loss to uh, to Northwestern. So, yeah, this uh, this threw a wrench in my picking. Uh, this one's my toughest one. Don't know anything about um, Buddy behind Michael Penix, but I don't think Wisconsin's a great team either. I think Indiana overall is a better team. I just think they kind of struggle to score points. So for that reason. I'm going to take the Badgers. Yeah, I'm taking uh, Wisconsin here as well. Don't really know 
uh, Indiana's backup. Any, I feel like Indiana can still win this game, but at the same time, I don't, I don't really want to put that in the backup quarterback's hands. So I'm going to take Wisconsin. They're probably mad they lost to Northwestern, so maybe they come out with a W. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Without Michael Penix, Indiana's offense scares me a little bit. They still got those guys outside, you know, Ty Freifogel and Watt Fillier and all that stuff. Um, but I think, you know, I think missing Michael Penix is going to be – they're going to be, you know, rusty off the start. I think Wisconsin can kind of jump on them, and I'm, I'm also taking the Badgers here. Same for me. Uh, without Penix, I just – I have no confidence in Indiana. Don't really know what to expect. Um, so, I, but I do expect Wisconsin to play better. They can't play a whole lot worse. Uh, Northwestern shut them down. So, uh, give me the Badgers. Yeah, well, you know, that wraps up our picks. Um, Sam was finally the winner last week, 8-1. and one. Woo! Um, So, he gets finally. his, he gets his minute to shine here. So, go ahead, buddy. Finally. You know, I feel like – feel like I've had a tough season this year. Uh, I've tried to play a lot of a lot of strategy. Um, you know, everybody picks a team, close game. I pick I pick the underdog, hoping to gain some ground, and I lose it every time. Uh, I don't think I've won like a game of the week and maybe the whole season. Um, so it's just it's just been tough for me. But you know, happy to happy to finally. Have a decent week, eight and one. I'll take it. You know, I don't really, I don't really have anything to say other than that. I mean, not a whole lot going on in my life. Uh, so, you know, is what it is. I, I hope I have another, uh, I don't know, free minute to rant next week. Yeah, you know, one thing I want to bring up is Buffalo's running back. Yeah, nuts. You see that stat line he put up? Four hundred and some yards, eight touchdowns. Nuts. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is very off topic, but I mean, sheesh, that dude went crazy. Four hundred nine yards, eight touchdowns. Mm. Eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Did he did he break? Uh, what's his face? Um, no, he tied the record. He didn't break LT. No, I'm talking about yards. Rushing records. Yeah, LT still has a rushing yard record, I think. In a game? What was yeah. It? It's like 420-something. Damn. And Jarrett Patterson was at like, what was he, like 408? 409, yeah. 409, yeah. That's crazy. 425 and one. Was he just breaking them every time he got the ball? Yeah. 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 I mean, pretty much. He did have 36 yeah. carries, but still 409 <laughs> yards. That's that's crazy. That's, that's, that's toting. That's, that's video game numbers right there. That's toting it. That's like Jameer Gibbs high school numbers right there. Yeah, yeah. And high oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought I thought Kevin Harris, him. I thought Kevin Harris five touchdown game was was crazy, but this dude went went over and put up eight touchdowns. So that dude's a bowling ball too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's an absolute bowling ball. Yeah, they produce that thing. They produce some random ass studs, Khalil Mack and then Maybe this uh, running back is a beast. That's going to be his claim to fame. We won't hear him after he graduates. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably, probably not. not. Yeah, we'll see. But anyways, you know, thank everybody for listening. Uh, that's what we had to say about 
all of college football as of right now. But yeah, peace. Deuces. <laughs>